uh, continue this series of sermons entitled Revealed. As we take a look at the story of Jesus' birth and what that reveals to us about God, about God's plan for creation, and about our own lives. Last week, we took a look at how it is that with God, nothing is impossible. Today, we're going to turn our attention to a phrase that comes from the book of Matthew, the first chapter, Emmanuel, God with us. Now, that name, Emmanuel, shows up three times in the Bible, twice in the prophet Isaiah and once in Matthew chapter 1. In Matthew chapter 1, an angel of the Lord is speaking to Joseph. When the angel quotes a passage from Isaiah, attributing that prophecy of Isaiah to the birth of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And in order to understand then what is happening in Matthew chapter 1, it's helpful to go back and know what was happening in Isaiah. So we turn back the clock 735 years to a time when the nation of Israel had actually been divided into two different countries. The northern kingdom was called Israel. The southern kingdom was called Judea. The northern kingdom, Israel, had formed an alliance with a neighboring country. And together they were going to attack the southern kingdom, Judea. The king of Judea, King Ahaz, knew that he was no match for the combined armies of two nations. And so he was frightened. And it was then that God instructed Isaiah to go to the king and offer a prophecy. And Isaiah did as was instructed. He went to the king and he told him that a young maiden would become pregnant, would deliver a child and would name that child Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that child would be a sign to Judea and to the king that God would be with them in that time. The prophecy went on to say that by the time the child reached the age of decision, around 12 years old, that Judea's enemies would be destroyed. Well, evidently, there was a young maiden who was pregnant, who became pregnant at that particular time, who then named the child Emmanuel, God with us, because by the year 722, Israel, the northern kingdom, was invaded by Assyria and destroyed Judea's enemies destroyed, and Isaiah's prophecy comes true. Fast forward 735 years. A young maiden named Mary becomes pregnant, and not in the normal way. And an angel of the Lord tells Joseph not to be afraid to take her as his wife, explaining what had happened. And then says that you will name the child Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins, and quotes from Isaiah chapter 7, attributing the prophecy of Isaiah from 735 years earlier to Jesus, saying that now those words are fulfilled. And what Matthew wants us to understand is that in that prophecy that took place 735 years earlier, those words that came true within 12 years or so, that that they were an important part 
of God's unfolding plan. But just a small part of an unfolding plan that was moving forward through time toward a moment of fulfillment and that fulfillment would come with the birth of this Jesus. On the one hand, it was a prophecy about something that would happen in that context, in that moment. And on the other hand, it was about a bigger plan, a much bigger plan, about something much, much bigger that was going to happen, the birth of Jesus Christ, who would be the Messiah. That's what's happening with Old Testament prophecy about the birth. Those prophecies come true within their context as a foreshadow for something much bigger to come the fulfillment of the very plan of God in the birth of a young child. Now, there's something very different about the birth of this Jesus and the birth of a child born 735 years earlier called Emmanuel because we hear in the prophecy that this child born in the time of King Ahaz will be a sign that God is with them. But when Jesus is born into this world, he is not a sign that God is with us. He is God with us. He is God with us. And so what we, be, what we see being revealed in these words, Emmanuel, God with us, is something of the mystery of the incarnation. The incarnation, in a nutshell, simply is that Jesus is fully human and fully divine. Fully human, like you and like me, yet fully divine, God with us. That somehow he is both of those things at the same time. He's not half human and half divine. Yeah, he's not half human, half divine. He's not human on the outside, divine on the inside. He's not divine appearing to be human. He's not just a really, really good human being. He's fully human and fully divine at the same time. Every cell of his being is human. Every cell of his being is divine. And hypostatic union, to use the language of the early church, which just confuses me all the more. I mean, there's something very mysterious about what has happened with the birth of Jesus and what it means, this incarnation, him fully human, fully divine. Something very mysterious about it all, something that's difficult to understand. And yet, as we learned last week, what's not possible for human beings is possible for God. Nothing is impossible with God, including incarnation. And as difficult as it is for us to understand how the incarnation works, it is not hard to understand what it means to our lives. And to that, we're going to turn our attention. But first, let's listen to the reading of Scripture. Morning, first from the Gospel of Matthew, and then from the letter to the Hebrews. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, 
and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and varied, various ways by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by a son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the worlds. He is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being. And he sustains all things by his powerful word. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto thee, O Lord our God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The Bible doesn't tell us anything about what Jesus was like as an infant. But it really doesn't need to, right? I mean, he was an infant, fully human. He was an infant. We know what babies are like, right? I've been around a lot of babies, a whole lot of babies. I've rocked a lot of babies to sleep. In fact, I'm really pretty good at getting little ones to sleep. Heck, I'm pretty good at getting grown-ups to sleep. <laughs> I do it every Sunday. I can see, you know, I can see. But the Bible doesn't really tell us much about what Jesus was like when he was little, but it doesn't need to because we know human life. We know what it's like. Little babies are dependent upon their parents, completely dependent. They have to grow and learn and play. And as they grow and learn and play, there comes a point in time when they're growing that they experience disappointment. There comes a point in time where they experience temptation. There comes a point in time where they experience suffering and sorrow. And there comes a point in time for us all where we experience our own mortality. It's human life, and we know that. And the promise of the incarnation, God with us, is that in the midst of this life, well, God understands, understands our lives. Our God is not some distant, far-off God uninvolved in life, but rather has chosen to draw near, born into this world and into our lives. Our God understands. I mean, Jesus was a baby. He had to grow and learn and play there came a point in time where he certainly experienced disappointment. I mean, if we fast forward to the end of his life, he experienced a lot of disappointment. One of his followers betraying him. Another one denying that he knew him. The others abandoning him, running off in fear. He knew disappointment. And there came a time when he experienced temptation as well. And he knows how difficult it is to, to keep from giving in to the temptations of this life. We think of him near the moment of his arrest when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane praying. 
struggling with the temptation to not go forward with the plan. He prays, God, if it be possible, take this cup from me. And the scriptures tell us that he's in such agony in that moment in time as he's battling with this temptation that he's actually sweating blood. He understands temptation. He understands suffering. He suffered a lot. Sorrow. We see him weeping over the death of his friend Lazarus. We see him weeping over Jerusalem and what's become of that great city. And he certainly understands mortality as he takes his last breath upon a cross. The incarnation, the promise of the incarnation, and what's being revealed in it is that God understands our lives. That God understands and is involved in our lives. In those times when we face great disappointment, God is there. God with us, Emmanuel. In those times where we're battling temptations and we're not certain that we can stand up to them, God is with us, Emmanuel. In those times where our hearts are broken with sorrow, God is with us, Emmanuel. And in those times where we are facing our own mortality, God is with us. God understands. Emmanuel. And this is very, very important to understand. Very important. That our God isn't a far-off God who gives us rules and commandments to keep in order to earn God's favor, but rather... God is involved in very intimate and real ways in our life, in a relational kind of way that's giving us comfort, that's giving us encouragement, that's giving us support, that's challenging us, that's convicting us. And we experience this presence of God in very, very real and powerful ways in our life because, Emmanuel, God is with us. But now a, a second gift that's being revealed to us in the incarnation. A second thing that we see being revealed to us in those words, God is with us, is just that. God is with us. It's not just that God is with me or that God is with you. God is with us. And God is experienced and known in the gathering of God's people. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus says, when two or three are gathered together in my name, I am present among you. God is known in the gathering of God's people. I can't begin to count the number of times that I've experienced something of the presence of God simply by being with you. And I know that I'm going to continue to experience something of the very presence of God by being with you, just as I believe you will experience something in the presence of God by being together. There's something of God being revealed to us in our gathering, Emmanuel, God with us. Now, there's a lot more that I could talk about as I'm unpacking, unpacking the meaning of God with us and the mystery of the incarnation. But let me raise just one more thing for today because the mystery of the incarnation reveals to us that our God is a God of second chances. 
in Matthew chapter 1, when the angel of the Lord is speaking to Joseph, the angel tells him that he will name the child Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus will save his people from their sins. Kind of reminds me a little of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus will save us from our sins. God with us. I mean, we all know that there's something wrong with this world. It's not hard to see that there's something that's wrong with this world. We turn on the nightly news and we can see the blatant disregard for human life, the stories that are told of what human beings are capable of doing to one another. We see the sinfulness of our world. Some of us have experienced the sinfulness of other people and, and know the brokenness and the hurt that can come about because of that. All of us have had our moments where we've said something or done something that was not our best selves, where we've said something or done something that have brought some kind of hurt or some kind of pain to another human being. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And while your sins are not my sins and my sins are not your sins, what we share in common as human beings is we've all had moments when we've missed the mark, when we've missed the mark. And Emmanuel, God with us, means that with the birth of this Jesus, he brings with him forgiveness. Forgiveness for those times that we've missed the mark. And not just forgiveness for the times that we've missed the mark, but also the help we need to start hitting the mark, to do better in our lives. We follow Jesus along in his ministry. And we see him engaged with people who knew they were sinners. Zacchaeus, the woman caught in adultery. Matthew, the tax collector. Paul, the murderer. And to all of them, he offers a second chance. Forgiveness. We hear him teach about it all the time. Through parables, he tells us the parable of the lost sheep, of the prodigal son, and how it is that God, there's a celebration in heaven whenever one person who was lost is found. Our God is a God of second chances. But not just second chances. Third chances. Fourth chances. Fifth chances. One of the disciples once asked Jesus, how often shall we forgive? Seven times? Remember Jesus' response? No, seven times 70. Forgiveness is a way of being. It's the very nature of love itself. And this is the kind of forgiveness that is offered to us. Not just second chances, but third and fourth and fifth chances. I mean, just ask, just ask Peter. Peter. Who right before Jesus died, denied even knowing him. Three times he denied even knowing the man. And then when Jesus was resurrected from the dead and those first of his followers encountered him, remember what Jesus said to them? Go tell the others and Peter too to meet me. And they do. And they all meet. And Peter's probably petrified. But remember what Jesus says to him? 
Does Jesus say, how could you? Or I told you so? Or I can't believe you did that? No. Jesus says to him, Peter, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Something of the mystery of the incarnation has to do with how our God is a God of second chances. Christ born into this world, bringing with him the very forgiveness of God. And the power, and the power to make something more of our lives. I mean, what a gift. What a gift. What a gift being revealed to us through the birth of a young baby. Thanks be to God. Amen? Amen.